If you guys would, let's just focus in. Let's get into the message and let's pray before we get anything else started. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this time that we have together. Lord, I thank you that uh, in moments where it is, it, summer hits, people are on vacation, Lord, you still bring us together. Um, Lord, I pray that you would just speak through this message as you have spoken um, to me through it as I've prepared it. Lord, I pray that you would um, bring out everything it is that you want to be brought out of this message. Lord, I pray that uh, each and every student would just uh, take the, the words that I say, um, the words that you are speaking through me, Lord, and that they would just be able to allow, uh, allow for it to uh, sit in good soil, to, to uh, take it and actually move with it. These are, are so important to, to, to have the family values, the DNA, really, of our youth ministry and our church. Lord, I pray that you would just um, speak through it, and I pray um, that you would just uh, continue to keep us safe throughout this summer as we do all of the things that we do uh, for your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, so I was reading because I like to read and stay smart because if I don't, then I get – I'm from Kentucky. We, our regression rate when it comes to information, not very good, okay? And that's, and that's saying something because we have people on staff from Tennessee. You know, I'm just saying – and Georgia. I mean, like, for real. Like, we're all just Southern picks over here. So I was reading. Um, I was actually reading a, 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 an excerpt, right? A little passage, just a little one, from the International Encyclopedia of Social and Behavior Sciences. Say that five times fast. The International Encyclopedia of Social and Behavior Sciences. There was a couple of PhDs, right? I think that that's so cool when a husband and a wife are like PhDs together. They're like doctors together because that just means they're uber smart. Macy has a master's degree. I don't, so she likes to hold that over me. Um, yeah, I know. And she, hey, pressure her to get her doctorate just because she doesn't want to go back to school, and I, I think it's funny. Um, anyway, so there's two. There's this husband and wife, and it's Richard and Margaret, okay? I love those names, first off. Richard and Margaret. And their, their last name is Braungart. So Richard and Mar Margaret Braungart. I, I recorded uh, tomorrow's Midweek Online episode. I could not say this name for the life of me. Richard and Margaret Braungart. Cool. Braungart. Everybody say Braungart. This is weird. So it now it's starting to not become a word to me. Uh, but anyway, we're going to move on. So they have a chapter uh, in this International Encyclopedia of Social and Behavior Sciences that is dedicated to youth Movements. Everybody say movement. Movement is one of the values that we have. And so I was studying youth movements uh, because I think it's important uh, that we know this. This is what they said in this chapter about youth movements. They said, a prominent feature of modern societies, youth movements emerge out of a generational tension and relations and are rooted in specific socio-historical conditions. That's too big of a word for me. I don't know what that means. It means basically in every modern society, there are youth movements that form out of necessity because of the culture, because of the society, because of the, 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 the city, the town, the state, the country, the nation, the world that we live in. And it's specifically in social and historical um, conditions. This is what it says, historically, most youth movements have been formed over issues of citizenship, social discontinuities, or cultural expressiveness. Again, big words. Basically, there is stuff that, that the, the young people in modern society see, and they want to change consistently. 
And it's young people who do that consistently and constantly in, in what they, uh, they, they wrote here. You see, young people are instrumental in making waves in society. Everybody, look into your neighbor and say, I, you are instrumental. You are instrumental in making a change. Get this, get this, this is so cool. This is so cool. Every major American revival or great awakening that's happened here in America, a majority of those, the, the bulk of the people who were a part of it were 17 to 25. A bulk of the people who started revivals in this country were 17 to 25. Who's 17 in two years? In between that. Close. Who's 17 in three years? So you guys are three, four, two years away from that age range, okay? Uh, youth leaders. How many people are in that age range? 17 to 25. All right, who's under 40? Okay? <laughs> yeah. Who's under 50? Under six? Under <laughs> See, here's the thing. Here's, the, here's, here's my perception. You don't grow up. I, I know John, he, didn't, he hasn't grown up, okay? <laughs> I love John, everybody give it up for John, come on. So, a majority of the people who started revolutions and revivals in this country were 17 to 25. That's really, really, really young. You see, I think what we learned from both the educational like perspective of this and also what we learn about just our, our faith and, 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 and who we are as, as believers is that when young people catch something that's worth fighting for and worth leading, they do it. I'm going to say that again. When young people catch something worth fighting for and leading, they do it. So I have a question that I want you guys to be thinking about. I know normally I tell stories, I'll tell some stories tonight, but I want you guys to be thinking about this throughout the, the rest of the night and through the rest of the summer because I love that we're jumping off from here for the rest of the summer, and that is this. What movement do you want to see move? What movement do you want to see move? What movement do you want to see actually progress and further? I'm going to lead you somewhere where I think you know the answer to. But first, we're going to go into a couple of passages in Matthew, and then we're going to go in Acts, okay? Everybody say Matthew. Matthew. Say Acts. Acts. All right, cool. So Matthew, in case you didn't know, uh, it's a gospel, right? So it's talking about Jesus. Uh, but what's so cool about Matthew is it takes all of the Old Testament and it connects Jesus to the Old Testament. And I think that that's so interesting because we, we come from a, a, a Jewish background. The, the, Jew, uh, the Jewish belief system, right, the, the Jewish faith, their Old Testament, uh, the books are rearranged a little bit, but it's basically the same thing we read uh, as their book, right? They're, they're, the, the thing that they read. Um, I had a friend, or actually a cousin who's Jewish, and uh, this is a tangent, but I, I think it's funny. He, uh, he was learning for his bar mitzvah uh, how to speak Hebrew because he had to do it in front of, like, that's part of what you have to do. Um, he couldn't do it, <laughs> okay, because Hebrew's hard. Who's ever tried to read Hebrew? I know. There's a couple people who might have. Yeah, it's, it, yeah there's a lot of There's a lot of that. It's clearing throats. All, all, that's all the languages, okay? Um, 
So he, he ended up uh, practicing for his bar mitzvah, and uh, he couldn't do it. And so they hired the best New England and Boston and New York, New Jersey area, uh, the, the best uh, Torah and Hebrew instructor that they could find. Within 30 minutes, he walked out and said, I can't help him. <laughs> so so uh, I asked my brother, I said, hey, how did, how did Jake do on his, his Torah reading? He goes, I, I, I don't know. It sounded like a bunch of... <laughs> you know, that's what he said. I don't know if that's offensive or not, but whatever. Um, <laughs> all right, so check this out. I don't know how I got his fun. Okay, um, let's go ahead and read in Matthew chapter 3. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. I'm going to give you approximately five seconds because I always think that like pe preachers and people who, who preach, they never give you enough time to actually open the Bible. That's why devices are so easy because you can just tap, tap, you're there. Anyway, Matthew chapter 3. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Yeah, when you're there, say there. If you're not there, say, hold up. <laughs> well, if you're not there, it's going to be up here. So, this is what it says. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. I think that this is such a cool passage, and if you ever have a chance to study it, please do, because there's so much in here. Like, have you guys ever thought about why Jesus needed to be baptized, why he wanted to be baptized? Because, like, we baptize, the reason we have baptism, like we just did on Sunday, is we do it because we're sinners in need of a Savior. We identify with Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. Uh, that's what baptism does, right? So why did Jesus need to do that? Because Jesus never had to repent because Jesus was perfect. I think what's so cool about the movement that we are called into as believers, everybody say, I am called to the movement. Here's the cool thing about this. Jesus actually started the movement himself. Jesus started the movement. This is a perfect encapsulation of Jesus actually saying, you know what, I'm not going to ask you and I'm not going to tell you to do something that I haven't already walked through. You see, Jesus started the movement himself. He did everything that he needed to do and everything that we are supposed to do in following after him. You see, Jesus, one of the reasons that he was uh, baptized was so that he could receive the Holy Spirit. What I think is so cool, I was reading, I was studying, is that actually Jesus could not do anything apart from the Holy Spirit. Why? He was fully God, but he was also fully man. And so he needed the Holy Spirit to be on him as he did the work of the ministry and as he, as he ministered to people. He needed the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but if Jesus needs the Holy Spirit, I need the Holy Spirit. Right? Jesus started the movement. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit as he preached, as he healed, and as he did the work of redeeming us and saving us. This was the start of his ministry. This is where he gets baptized, he goes to, to be tempted, and then he starts. It's game on. From this moment forward, in, in all of the Gospels, when Jesus is baptized, it's game on. You see, he was dependent on the Holy Spirit for every single thing that he did. You see, Jesus 
wanted to make sure to model and lead in the way that we would follow the Holy Spirit's prompting. Jesus made sure to model it. This is one of the reasons that he was baptized. Because like I said, we baptize because it's a recognition of, of who we are in, 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 in our, our sin nature and in, in how messed up we are. Jesus wasn't messed up. Jesus could have easily said, you know what, I, I actually, I, water, like, no, okay? This is a very nice linen cloth that I have, okay? I don't want to get it wet, it's white, that's weird, right? If you're getting water in white clothing, it's awkward, okay? Jesus is like, no, I'm not doing this. He could have easily said that, but he said, no, 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 I, I, I want to, 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 to be able to do the things that I'm asking my people to do uh, following me. Throughout the rest of Jesus' time on earth, it was game on. He lived intentional, he lived on mission, and he was showing the disciples and the early followers, and even us today in a modern context, he was showing, hey, this is what you must do in order to live a spirit-empowered life. This is how we do it. Jesus was, was starting the movement with his own hands and with his own feet. He wanted to model every single thing it is that he wanted to see out of us. And we have to look to Jesus as the root of, of, of the movement that we're a part of right now. Jesus didn't ask people to follow an example that he wasn't willing to lead himself. He clearly started this movement that we're supposed to follow. If you don't know what to do in life, you're like clueless, maybe you're about to be a senior, <laughs> maybe you are a senior, I don't know. Maybe you're a senior citizen. Just kidding. That's what everybody seems to think I am. But <laughs> if you don't know what to do, all you have to do is follow Jesus' example. Jesus actually started the movement so that we could follow after. You see, every single movement has a figure that's attached to it, either officially or unofficially. There's always, there's always, there's always a figure that's attached to a movement. Without them, the movement has no direction and it has no model that, that somebody is to follow. The best leaders, how many people would say I'm a leader? Like, I was gifted and talented in leadership in, in elementary school and middle school, which actually was a double-edged sword because uh, they put me in all the gifted classes. So I'm in here with guys who literally work for NASA now and all I was gifted in was leadership, so it wasn't math or science, but I was in advanced math and science because I was gifted. I'm like, this is not how this is supposed to go. I hate this. Help me with my homework, please. I was in tears at like 11 o'clock, fifth grade, doing eighth grade math. Like, this is stupid, I'm dropping out. Mom was like, yeah, you probably can't do that in fifth grade. Here's the thing. Here's what I want you guys to think about. Do you think people would join a movement without somebody who's willing to cast the vision and be on the front lines? Do you think anybody would join a movement and follow after somebody who was doing everything behind the scenes? I'll, put it, I'll give you a, a tangible example. How effective would Martin Luther King Jr. have been if he organized everything from uh, thousands of miles away and he was never at the forefront at the locations of the places that, that saw the most change in our country? If he, was, if he was in New York City when everything was going down in Alabama, it wouldn't, it'd be like, okay, he, 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 would, he would give a speech or he would do something and he would say, hey, come follow me. And it's like, dude, you're not even there. Why would I go? 
we have to understand that the reason that the movement of, of our faith, the reason that the movement of, of Christianity, the movement of, of Jesus, right? We're Jesus people through and through. The movement that he started was something that he actually modeled. And we have a figure, we have someone who we can tangibly look at and examine their life to the movement that they represented and the movement that they were a part of. And we can actually go, okay, I know where to model myself. Christianity, one of the cool things about it is we have a figurehead. We have a perfect figurehead to model everything else around in our life. Matthew 28 uh, verses 19 through 20, right? This is children's church. Hopefully Pastor Vanessa is teaching this. I, I know she is, right? 28, 19, what is it? <laughs> He's like, I don't know. It's summer, yeah. You guys know this, right? All right, I'm going to put the first two words, and y'all, I know y'all know this, all right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing, come on. Hold on. <laughs> Stop. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And this is what I love, and this is the part, actually, out of this verse that kind of gets missed, because we're so cool on the therefore and go and make disciples part, that we actually forget this. Jesus says, surely I am with you always. Everybody say always. Always. I am with you always to the very end of the age. What's so cool about Jesus and the movement that we're a part of, the movement that we, we value here at LifePoint, the movement that we value here in, in, at LifePoint Youth, is that Jesus started the movement and modeled it himself in the way that he lived, but then he also commissioned the movement. Jesus commissioned the movement. You see, Jesus was very, very clear about what the goal of, of the church that would follow him would look like. We're going to do three things. Go, preach, and disciple. You see, the commissioning is so cool. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 is so awesome because it's not just the apostles who he told to go. This is something that is applicable to every single generation, every single church that has existed after Jesus spoke these words. This is something that we do. It's a part of every single church. If you listen to any mission statement, vision statement, purpose statement, whatever, if you listen, it's going to be some variation of this. LifePoint Church, the, the, the purpose statement that we have is to be a family mobilized to reach people with the love of Jesus. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. That's what that is. It's just in our own words. You see, we aren't simply, I think that this is, is so, so good. We're not simply supposed to tell people about Jesus, but we're supposed to actually help them grow in their faith as well. We're not supposed to simply just tell people about Jesus. That's great, that's fantastic, that's a huge part of it. But we have to actually walk with people. I think that what's so cool, uh, I was reading uh, in one of, my, one of my study Bibles, 
Um, and and some, I don't get everything from Study Bible, but it's good stuff a lot of the times. And they worded it so well. They said, effective evangelism cannot be separated from true discipleship. Effective evangelism, telling people about Jesus, cannot be a uh, stand on its own. It has to be married and connected and, and, and brought together with true discipleship. We have to be able to tell people about Jesus and then walk with people as they do it. And Jesus was so cool about this thing that we, we believe in, our faith, is that Jesus doesn't say, okay, I'm gonna stick around for like a couple hundred years. I'm gonna be an old wizard type person. And I'm gonna tell everybody about me, myself. He said, no, 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 I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna leave, but I'm gonna give you something. We'll get into this in a little bit, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a help. And you are gonna go do the work. I've modeled it, I've shown you, I, I've taught you, I, I've given you all of the tools, and now it's time for you to go do it. Jesus commissioned the movement. He, he, he expanded it even past himself. Did you guys know? I, I think this is so crazy. There are like, what, two billion Christians? Five billion Christians on the, on the planet? And it was Jesus and 12 disciples at the start of it. There has to be. There has to be uh, uh, not only telling people about Jesus, but actually walking with people. And here's something that might step on some toes, especially if you get older and you start paying attention to culture and politics and society and all of this stuff. But it's so, so clear. Matthew 28, 19 is not a commission to Christianize society. Matthew 28, 19 is not a, a, a command that we are supposed to uh, uh, institute every single uh, political policy, every single uh, official that we like. It is not, uh, that is not our purpose here. What we are supposed to do is to call people in their darkness, in their sin, reach into the darkness and pull them out. That's what we're supposed to do. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying this isn't important. Please don't hear this, okay? It is very, very important to, 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 to be informed and to, to know things in the political sphere, to be able to speak into things, because guess what? Truth is getting more distorted now than ever. So don't hear me that it's not important, but that is not why Jesus came. Jesus did not come so that, so that a, a, a secular government could glorify him. If he, if, if he cared about that, he would have established one himself. We are supposed to, to look at the darkness. Here's my thing, and, and this is something that I just believe, and I hope that you guys see it too, and, and I hope that, that it changes in, in this church and in this community and, and in the church in general, right? We can call dark, dark all day long. Congratulations. Great job. People are messed up. People are crazy. I'm the first one, okay? We can call dark, dark all day long, but we have to actually reach into the darkness and pull people out of it and put them in the light and put them onto Jesus. 
The commissioning of, of the movement was not a, a, a task-oriented thing of, of, of once we reach this, then the movement is over. What's so cool about this is that God promises that he would be with us as we work to further the movement, as we work to, to, to expand the kingdom. You see, God is with us as we pray, as we read his word, and as we lean on the Holy Spirit to guide us. He does not make us do this alone. We don't do this alone. And if we ever think that we can, that's when we're going to start going, man, why am I like, why is this thing not working? Because guess what? If you don't rely on the Holy Spirit, you don't read your word, you don't, you don't live this thing out, I promise you, I guarantee you, Christianity will let you down. I, I guarantee it. I guarantee that this thing that, that we do called church and called religion, if you don't base it on God's word, if you don't know him, if you aren't empowered by the Holy Spirit, it will let you down. I saw something really interesting, and then I want to tell the story real quick. I saw something really interesting uh, about who, who's ever heard of, who's heard of deconstruction? Anybody who has seen videos or heard about it? Or, it's basically when people are like, well, I, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Or, or it's when, when people can't recognize and can't bring together what Jesus says and what's happening in churches. It's when people have a misunderstanding and they start to allow their church hurt. I understand a lot of it, but they allow their church hurt to start dictating how they feel about Jesus, even if it's subconsciously. I think that I was reading about it, just talking with some friends, and there was somebody who said, maybe the reason why people are deconstructing their faith is we never built a good one to begin with. Maybe, maybe the reason why people are leaving the church, maybe the reason why your friends don't want anything to do with Jesus is because they don't even have a grasp of what it really means. Guess what? Matthew 28, 19, and 20, that's our job, to reach into the lives of people, to speak truth, to, to, to show love, and to point them back to Jesus, to bring them back out. That is what we have to do. Um, just recently, hey Mace, could you run up in my office and go grab the, the, uh, the thing that's um, in the paperweight on the top of my like, it's the, the bag, you know what I'm talking about? The one I got at coordination? Yeah, can you go grab that real quick? Just up in my office. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <clears throat> so I was, uh, I, I, I love the assemblies, uh, our family. If you didn't know, we're assemblies of God. I love that. I think it's so cool. Um, but uh, I think um, what's so cool about it is that there's this thing um, after a couple of years of ministry uh, that you qualify for. It's a weird word, but. Um, and basically, there's three levels to certification within the assemblies. Uh, we, have, we have certification, um, which if you're in high school, come talk to me, because there's actually a way to get your license before you graduate. You have one already involved. 
but we're just giving up for Montana. But uh, I graduated college with my license, and I thought, yes, thank you. Give it up for Macy. Thank you. I love having my office back up here. We don't have. But um, I just hit my two years as a licensed minister, and I was able to go through the process of ordination. And what's so cool uh, about being ordained um, is that when you get your license, it's really cool because they kind of give you your certificate. And they tell you, like, hey, this is, this is what you do. Um, but with ordination, it's a confirmation of the ministry that you do. But what it does is it recognizes it, and it actually connects you and sends you even further. That was kind of cool. With the microphone. When I got ordained, one of the parts of ordination is that they take an ordained minister who's already ordained, and they give you one of these. Super, super rad. We were talking about Hebrew stuff earlier. I love this thing. It makes me look holy. Um, what they do, they give you this thing. It's all crooked, whatever. Pretend it's all good. Anyway, so they give you this thing, and you're looking at you're looking at ministers who have been 50, 60, 40 years in ministry. Our lead pastor, Pastor Mike, my father-in-law, love him to death, been in ministry for 30 years. Pastor John, been in ministry 55. What's so cool about ordination, and if you're a minister uh, or wanting to be, uh, that, that, that's fantastic. There's a call on your life to get ordained as well. <laughs> it's just cool. But what's so cool about it is the fact that somebody gave me this who got their own from a minister before them, who got theirs from a minister before them, who got theirs from a minister before them. And not only this thing, but they actually took anointing oil and they, they covered Macy and I and they said, okay, we've seen what you've done in ministry already, go do more. Go do more. Go do more. It wasn't, hey, you, you met it. You look super cool now, deuces. Absolutely not. What's so cool about receiving this is it's a confirmation of dedication, uh, of devotion, of, of ministry, but it speaks to a legacy. There's a legacy behind it. And the commissioning, I say all that to say the commissioning that Jesus gave the apostles to go and spread the gospel is one that we carry today. We carry the same uh, mission, the same goal that the disciples had from Jesus directly. There's some weight to that. And that should get us excited. I got excited when I got to do this. Macy, I was, a so, I was such a nerd. I told her one of our first conversations, I was like, hey, in two years, I'm getting ordained, just letting you know. Because I saw the legacy piece of, uh, of hands that have been laid um, on ministers for generations and generations and generations. 
Now I look at that, and it's not only letting myself down, it's not only letting God down. If I don't fulfill this mission, I'm letting every minister who has had their, their, their hands laid on them, I'm letting them down as well. That's a great part of a movement. You're not in it alone. Jesus says, I'm with you till the end of the age. Does that make sense? It's a greater sense of, of ownership in what you're doing. Uh, last thing is this, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If you turn there, great. If not, I'm going to read it. I want to read, this is what it says. It says, you will receive power. Everybody say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So amazing about the movement that Jesus has us a part of now is that Jesus started it himself. He commissioned it with the early apostles. And he empowered them. And he empowers us today. He empowered the movement. Jesus promises the disciples two things. Power and witness. The emphasis on this is so important. Because basically, when the Holy Spirit was, was given to us as a gift to expand and to, to further the kingdom, it was going to be something that was audible, visible, and manifested itself in an outward demonstration. And Jesus tells them this before any of the apostles do ministry. Before any of the apostles do ministry, Jesus says you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. These two things are key in how we move forward in advancing the kingdom. Power and witness. Because we need the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us so that we can effectively tell people about Jesus. Because if you don't, you will not be effective. Hate to break it to you. Where my theater kids at? Woo -woo. Love it. Your charisma is great, and God will use it, but it will not lead people to Jesus. Your talent in art and video is great, but it by itself will not lead people to Jesus. Your ability to lead worship, to play music, is great. But without the Holy Spirit empowering you, you will never be able to reach people through it for Jesus. We have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. I love in Acts chapter 2, that's the best chapter for me, I love it. Peter preached. To 3,000 people. And 3,000 people were saved. That's crazy. Have y'all been to a PHS game? I mean, there's not a whole lot of people there because they're coming bad. But. 
Uh, Macy, you liked that one, didn't you? Could you imagine, could you imagine at halftime of a basketball or a football game at PHS or Bradshaw for that matter? Because let's be real, like they're, wherever PHS is at, Bradshaw is, is, is on the same level. Let's just be real. Let's just be real. Let's just be real. I'm just being real. I'm a realist. But imagine this, imagine this, imagine this, imagine this. Imagine there are 1,500 people at a PHS versus Bradshaw game, and you get out at halftime, and you preach the gospel, and all 1,500 people at the stadium give their lives to Jesus. That's crazy. So the fact that Peter was able to preach to 3,000 people, and they were all saved, and they were all compelled to know about Jesus, I'm going to be honest with you, if he didn't have the Holy Spirit, I don't think none of them would have gotten saved. Because Peter was a knucklehead. <laughs> so without the Holy Spirit empowering them, they would have been like, dude, get off the stage. Like, move along. You cut a dude's ear off. You're crazy. Like, leave. You see, I think sometimes we forget that the Holy Spirit is actually the one to convince, uh, to convince and convict people of the truth. I think for far too long, going back to that, that, that focus on, on deconstruction and shaky faith, I think for far too long we've tried to convince people of truth without actually pointing them to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and, and have an encounter with Jesus. We've been so focused with, no, you're wrong. No, 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 this is truth. No, no, this is it. But we're doing it without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We're moving and doing the things that we feel are right. Well, yeah, it's, it's great. That's what we do. Like, we have to move and we have to understand that it's the Holy Spirit who does the job of saving people we can. And the minute we do, um, run. <laughs> You're in a cult. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. If you're taking notes, write this down. Write a clipser pen, I love it. Check this. We cannot build, we cannot build momentum. We cannot build momentum through a movement, through me. Can't do it. You cannot build momentum for the movement through me. You can't do it through yourself. You can't do it through other people. And the minute you do, you start to notice that things get a little weird. Things get a little freaky. Things get a little crazy. Speaking of weird and crazy, that's me. Just kidding. No, no. So how do we experience the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? I want to wrap up real quick. Don't worry, worship team, I'll tell you. Joe was like, oh. I'm terrible at releasing people, is what it is. So how do you experience the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Well, we believe here at this place that if you seek the Holy Spirit and you want to, to, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, that if you want to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then one of the evidences of that is through speaking in tongues through developing and working and, 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 and having a prayer language. It sounds really weird. And it sounds crazy. And I'm going to be honest, there's a lot of Christians who think that it's crazy. 
But if we are one of, the, one of the few people, one of the few denominations, one of the few fellowships, one of the few churches that still believe in having a, 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 a baptism in the Holy Spirit through speaking in tongues, man, we better use it. Man, we better use it. Like, we, we've got to. And I know that, like, I, I know it's weird and it's crazy. And when people start doing it, it I, I don't like it. It makes me feel icky. Get over yourself. Because straight up, this is what we believe. This is who we are. And guess what? We better step into that prayer language. We better develop that prayer language. And we better utilize it often. This is the evidence of the empowerment that we receive through the Holy Spirit. When you live in a Holy Spirit inspired and empowered life, things start to shift and things start to move. People come to know Jesus supernaturally. Miracles begin to break out. Things start to, to break off and freedom is given. Man, there is so much here. I'm really excited about it, if you can't tell. God did not expect the movement to move without starting it himself. Worship team, if you guys would come up. See, this is why God sent Jesus to serve as the model for everything that we do in the kingdom. Jesus started the movement himself. Jesus lived a life worth following. He then commissioned the disciples to become apostles and to, to preach the word and to continue the movement that he started. And then he empowered them to actually begin to move. And what's so cool about Matthew 28, 19, and 20 and about Acts 8, 1, 8 is that these are promises and these are things that he has promised to us. There are some people, again, doesn't mean they don't love Jesus. It doesn't mean that they're it doesn't mean that they're bad people, um, but to be honest, in the way we believe, they're wrong. There are people who believe that all of this stuff was just meant for them to expand the church into what it is and that we can't actually experience that. Burloni, get out of here. We still believe in that. We still believe in being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We still believe in, in, in working in, through the Holy Spirit to accomplish the Great Commission, to, to walk with people, to tell them about Jesus, and to, and to walk with them through discipleship. You see, the movement isn't over. It will not be fully realized until Jesus comes back. So guess what? We have a part to play in growing it. If you're here, gotta move. If you're here, you gotta move in your community. If you're here, you gotta move in your school. If you're here, you gotta move in your family. How many people know people who need to be a part of this movement? How many people right now know people that if they would give their hearts to the Lord, they would be even better at this movement thing than we are? My dad talk about him a lot. My dad is one of the most social people that I know. So I know that when he comes to the Lord, 
He is going to tell everybody, and he will not shut up because he will come up to people that he doesn't know, and he'll say, hey, I think I went to high school with you. And they're like, no, we didn't. And he's like, oh, well, cool. You still look like him anyway, and then he'll like, move on. <laughs> you don't think that God's going to be able to use that? You don't think that, that some of the, the, the popular kids that are at your school, some of the popular kids that are in your friend groups, you don't think that when Jesus gets a hold of them that they're not going to be able to use their influence? I love it. It gets me excited. Because here's the cool thing. I'm going to close with this, and then I'm going to shut up, because I know I talked a lot. But hey, it's the last service, so I'm going to do it.
you just please raise your hand? You say, I want to be empowered. I've been a part of the movement, but I want to be empowered tonight. Come on. I love it. Thank you. See, see those hands. Thank you, guys. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord Jesus, you see those who have taken those steps, those who, who are giving their hearts to you or, or rededicating themselves and actually submitting themselves to, to being empowered. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to move, continue to work as we have this time of response. Lord, I pray um, for, for each and every student, Lord, that they would be able to experience that empowerment, that they would be able to step out in that, Lord, and that you would be glorified through it. Lord, I pray that you would speak to every heart, every mind, every soul that's in this place and that's represented here. Lord, I pray that, that it is the worship and the response that we have here that will begin to send shockwaves in our family that's miles and miles and miles away. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is true. And I thank you that we get to be a part of this amazing movement of faith. Lord, we thank you. We love you, it's in Jesus' name.